Hey, thanks for downloading the podcast. If you want to listen live, all you have to do is download the iHeartRadio app and search for Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Also, if you want to catch this show on video, be sure to check out Zumo TV, channel 719. That's where you can find SportsGrid's Fantasy Sports Network. Enjoy the show, and thanks so much for listening. Good morning, everybody, and welcome to the weekend edition of The Early Line. I'm Dane, he's Kevin, and we continue to put the fun in functional sports content. Kevin, I got to tell you, we spent a lot of last week discussing, you know, return to play and policies there, 24 teams in the NHL, what the NBA is going to do, and we have more detail on that, the kind of bad look back and forth with uh, Major League Baseball. And my thesis that I've been working on here with you over the past month is it's such a collaborative effort, right? You need the unions, you need the owners, you need networks, and you need local and state governments all on the same page. And we're seeing how in many sports, it's kind of hard for that to happen. We were encouraged uh, last week when the governors of California and New York decided to say, yeah, facilities can now be open. We thought that was a, a big piece in a return to play. And we hear something else from another governor that I want to get your thoughts on today, Kevin, um, the governor of Texas. All right. Greg Abbott has actually said, and this is the first time I'm hearing anything close to this. They're going to allow fans. Kevin, they're going to allow fans, okay, 25% of capacity. And the governor of Texas is saying 25% capacity will be allowed at events. Kevin, let me get your first reaction. This is the first I'm hearing of anything like this. The idea that, you know, they're going to allow some fans in the stands, albeit reduced numbers, 25% capacity. I mean, what do you think about this, A? And B, would you go to an event right now? So I think right away, the first thing you kind of think about is the why, if you will. And mm. one of the things that I remembered is very, very briefly, there was the idea that Texas could host the NBA's return. Right. One of the reasons having to do with the fact that the Spurs, the Rockets, and the Mavericks were all located there. Now, I believe um, that it's most, it's meant, it's only outdoor Correct. slash field. Right. right, outdoor. And to be quite honest, they say that the Astros and the Texas Rangers, because they have retractable roofs, are actually not considered outdoor uh -huh. sports, okay? So we're talking about golf. We're talking about NASCAR. We're talking about other open-air sports. Right. And then potentially maybe people, if they wanted to try and use baseball fields for other activities, you know, obviously that is uh, that is all dependent on it. Um, but, you know, kind of just the first thing you think about, right, is like, are they trying to pull something in, right? Like, is there an angle, which might sound a little dirty, but I think we can all acknowledge that, you know, sometimes decisions like this can be made with, you know, backhanded purpose behind it. I'm not sure that necessarily one could argue Texas has seen numbers to say 25 percent is exactly where we should be in terms of fans in the stands. Um, I expect, though, that this will likely lead to other places wanting to do it. If I'm not mistaken, I think Florida might have already kind of told people you could open things up, but we haven't seen things necessarily hmm. opened up. I, I, I strongly believe that the NBA is focusing so much on their group that they right. have no interest really in doing anything with fans unless we get to, like, the conference finals or the NBA finals Down the road. where, yeah, where everything's so different because that's, you know, potentially September say, and they're like, Oh, okay. I think the NFL would love to have their fans, 
baseball, if they spend, they're not allowed to talk fans. If if anybody in Major League Baseball does anything, right, talking money. Yeah, like you have other stuff to figure out there, and I don't think hockey is. There is one section that we both know is trying to figure out what they're going to do with fans, and it is wrestling. It just is. We know that Vince McMahon wants fans back by SummerSlam, and we know that All Elite Wrestling announced All Out, which is their, you could argue, WrestleMania if you were going to give one of it, Um, but they did so without a location, and I think that's because they're trying to see potentially could there be fans. So to me, I think that this move is eye-opening, Mm-hmm. But I still think we might be a couple months away before anybody tries to actually put fans in stands. Right, I think, and that's an important point, right? So the governor has come out and said that he's going to allow it, right, with through executive order. I also find it interesting that this executive order happens on a day when, in the state of Texas, they reported 1,855 new cases, which was kind of like an all-time high for the state, yet— they're opening up. That's interesting to me. But then also Eddie Gossage, who's the president of the Texas Motor Speedway, okay? And they are having an IndyCar event in a week or two, okay? It's the Genesis 300. And he has said, it's great that the governor has allowed this, but we're not there yet, okay? His quote is that nobody wants to have the stands filled with fans more than me, but we're just not in a position to do that yet. While the state will permit us to operate at 25% capacity, there is still too many unanswered questions for an event that's just one week away. We know that the PGA is kind of resuming play in the state of Texas with the Colonial. I wonder if that means now 25% of fans will see if they decide that it's okay. But I find this very, very interesting. You mentioned the uh, the baseball, and those technically are not considered outdoors because of the retractable roof. So I don't know. Like, Do you think other states are going to follow through. And then this is kind of inconsistency, right? Like what, will it impact players' thoughts, unions' thoughts? If now some of these states are allowing fans and some don't, we've talked about the the, the AL-NL merger, right? So now if you're on the Chicago Cubs and you have to make trips to the Rangers or to the, you know, or to the Astros, or if you're in the West, right? Like if you're the Padres, let's say, Now, are you a little bit more concerned knowing that some of those road trips, there's also going to be fans gathering in the stands? No, it's a a really, really good point, right? I mean, is the idea that the fans are going to be subjected to the same level of testing as the athletes? Yeah, right. Incredibly unlikely. And considering all of the hurdles that have to exist to get you know, these people back. I mean, the other weird thing, right, is if I'm not mistaken, as much as I said, baseball's not allowed to talk about fans because they've got too much other stuff going on. I do believe that their plan is to put the players in the stands as opposed to the dugout to create more space. We heard that also, yeah. Which would mean that, say, the 25% of fans are already pretty much then not going to be allowed in the lower bowl, maybe outfield and up, and obviously you're going to have to figure out how you want to space them, but you can't have them anywhere near, anywhere near the players. Right. So that's kind of weird in of itself. Like you would think that part of having the fans there would be so you can make it look like there is an audience and it probably wouldn't look like there's one in in that way. I think NASCAR specifically is fascinating where, of course, when you can get a gate, that is great. You watch a little bit more NASCAR than myself. So maybe you can kind of speak to how the product (laughs) looks. I think so. 
Um, okay. it's, got, it's got more than zero. I think you watched the same amount of NASCAR. Zero. <laughs> but go ahead. I, I, I felt like one was more than zero. I figured at some point you flipped the channel. <laughs> um, but I would have to think that they're a product that, in essence, can, in terms of the washability, work without fans. Like, I know that people say that the environment at a NASCAR race is incredible, but I don't necessarily know if that's one that comes all the way through the mm. TV. And, I'm, you know, they've been doing some decent numbers, so I wonder if part of that. But it also, it's something that has, you know, we've both talked about quite a bit here is the idea of going first. Right. And there are benefits to that in some areas. I don't think one of them, though, is being the first with fans. That's a right now, at least that's a dangerous game to be playing. And if you're NASCAR, you go first with fans. It doesn't work. And all of a sudden you don't have races. Mm -hmm. You've you've you know, you've messed things up. Yeah, absolutely. And that is the risk of going first. Right. And that's why I always say, Kev, you know, another th reason the NFL is sitting in the catbird seat is because they're never going to have to go first. They're going to be able to follow the blueprint of the NBA, the NHL, what have you here, NASCAR. They get the kind of cover and the shield of having to be that trial balloon. Right. And this is a perfect example of that. We'll see what happens with the state of Texas. Another thing, you know, kind of in these return to play, uh, the devil is in the detail. Details, what I continue to talk about, we know that the NBA is going to have some kind of call with the owners uh, coming soon, right? We just got word from Milwaukee Bucks, and remember, this is one of the big teams, right? The best record in the NBA. They have a vested interest in this. Bucks co-owner Mark Lassery, um, he was on CNBC, got interviewed yesterday. He said that the board is going to meet early this week coming up to discuss and confirm which of the proposals— they want to approve and send to the players' union, okay? Everything from, like, will it be in Orlando? Will they play the regular season or not? What will the playoff format be? And for me, this is just more to the point of, as we get further and further down the road, that's when people may start to bristle, right? In Major League Baseball, we saw that after the proposal formally happened, we're reacting to this, you know, and players are saying, oh, wow, the top-end players are taking a bigger cut. I mean, Lassery says he thinks at the end of the day we'll be in Orlando, but what's interesting to me is what happens at the end of every report that we hear. This little blurb, any plan team owners agree on will need to be presented and approved by the NBA Players Association. So mm -hmm. we're just earlier on in the process because when they make their proposal, then formally there's going to be players that bitch and moan, right? I totally disagree. As much as I as much Got as it. I know you want this thing to be even between we are not earlier in the process because the financial aspect is pretty much figured out. So what's going to happen is what do you mean? The, Why is it figured out? Because they've gotten seven of eight regular season checks. Okay. There, there's so majorly. Blake Snell's gotten none of his contract from this year, right? right. LeBron has gotten seven, like has gotten what eighty five percent of it. No, I understand yeah. that, Kevin. But what about find not the money part, right? Yeah. But if this proposal doesn't, if it's not confirmed yet, if they're going to finish playing regular season games or not, then you have. Players and Dame right. Dollar saying, I ain't going to play if it ain't worth the, it for right. me. The other like, difference. It's not figured out yet. And Damian Lillard has already, um, you know, contradicted. 100%. 100%. But that's also why I think we're seeing people say that there is a push towards those four teams coming in. 
the owner, this is the biggest difference. The owners are working for their team because they are not stupid. Because they understand that their team but needs to come back. How do you know that, Kevin? Because you can just see, you can see, like in the NBA, they're spending time saying, do you think families are good to go? That's how far along they are. Is they're like, listen, this is, we're going to Orlando. This is going to be like, we're getting dates. Like, I understand that the dates are moving a bit, but they're, they're all within a similar range. We're, right, we're like, but hey, listen, like nothing official until there's actually a formal proposal. Like, we don't know that this is what's actually going to look like when pen is put to paper. Of course, we need the final proposal, but also the players are all aware of what these ideas are. And as you've alluded to, are speaking out about their right. feelings towards those ideas. But also, and this is the biggest thing about the NBA, is the importance of a title to legacies will continue to push them to want to get this season back because of how important it is to them. Yeah, no, I hear that. We'll continue to compare the apples and apples or apples and oranges when we come back. It's the early line. Dane and Kevin, we're off and running here on SportsGrid. DailyRoto.com. Learn from the game's best DFS players. We don't just give you premier advice. We play every day. All major sports, all year round, we never stop. Industry-leading DFS tools and custom projections. And now, the DailyRoto.com Optimizer. In minutes, build an optimized lineup for cash games and tourneys. Learn from the game's best DFS players. Join DailyRoto.com. All right, welcome back into the early line, everybody here on SportsGrid, giving you the edge and trying to make dollars and cents of all of it. We're going to give you some plays and bets later on for the UFC card that happens later tonight, taking you a little bit of cash. That's what we're hoping for, but also trying to make sense of how these leagues are going to return to play, Mm -hmm. you know, and so I guess maybe I'm out here on an island, Kevin, and that's fine, but in Major League Baseball, right? We, we hear Blake Snell or we hear Max Scherzer. They are responding to something that was formally proposed in mm-hmm. the back and forth between the union and the labor, you know, and the powers that be. We haven't hit that point yet. There is no proposal formally. We've heard dates. But, you know, this is on the trust of Jared Dudley and Spencer Dinwiddie, right? <laughs> we haven't heard anything official. And we don't know what the format's going to be. Right. So maybe some players on the Sacramento Kings will have complaints if it's Mm. about, you know, finishing the regular season or what have you. Maybe players will have complaints if they don't finish the regular season. And now that eighth game check that you're talking Mm. about doesn't happen. We don't have those answers yet. Similar, in my opinion, with the NHL. We had George Kurtz on before, Mm -hmm. right? And we don't know, and he was talking about so many details are still to be worked out, including where the damn hub cities even are, okay? Mm -hmm. So now, we apply the news from the top, right, that Texas is going to have fans. We don't even know what city they may be in, and one of the cities may be in a different country, that has different regulations and all that stuff, then when the formal proposal is confirmed, people might feel a way about it, right? I can't react to something that's not actually the truth yet. And so that's my thing, right? And the further and further we go down, I think everybody, and it's kind of human tendency also, to move from kumbaya, yay, let's get sports back, and we're all in this together, 
to mm. the feeling of just like you said, what's in it for me and how does this work for my personal context? So there, there's something to be said about the format. I guess the, the, where we are seemingly differing on this is yeah. I don't think that there's a level. I think the NBA and the NHL are past the labor negotiation stage and it's about the semantics of it all. They're trying to figure out the where, the when, the why, right? Baseball is like 82 games. The player's like, let's do 110. Where? Why? Like the the fact that the division. But those questions are, aren't answered in the NBA. But they're the idea of eighty-two or hundred games. They're on to phase two. They're on to phase two in the NBA, right? Like baseball hasn't gotten past phase one. Baseball is still figuring out the money. We do, the reason why we're not hearing about the money. See, I guess that's the difference. Right? You believe that we're not hearing about the money because we haven't gotten there yet, and I yeah. believe we're past it. And they're on to the different things. However, I will say this: but how do you know? I mean, because they wouldn't be this far along. But there isn't even a formal proposal yet, Kev. You just said the Bucks owner. They're going to vote on the formal proposal next week to be said. And so we don't know if there's going to be another 15 games or not. That's money. That's the same as 80 games or 100 games. It's unknown still. With with reading as as much as we can from what's been given to us, there's no regular season. And every team that is sent there is going to be a part of the. If you, Dane, I under, I look, I like if we're, if we're not going to be able to just like read the tea leaves on things and not be able to piece together reports from Adrian Wojnarowski, then I don't, then I don't know what. We're, then maybe we should we should never speak about it. But on based on everything that they said, there's not going to be a regular season, and there's a reason why they are flirting with this idea of the back four, these back four nine through twelve West teams coming, because if they come, they're going to be a part of whether it be a play-in, a World Cup, some other right. format. They're going to be playing. So it's it's going to just be a postseason. But I will say this. There's something to be said about the NBA openly and on their own complicating this for themselves. The conferences existed before the season. You sure. took a pause. The question should be regular season or not. There was a really, really uh, good point that I heard someone make about why the NHL needed to th- open things up to 24. And it was basically the gap that existed between like the last playoff team and these next eight was like one game. So like right. four, so they still had a right? chance. Where you know they played so much, they they played so much through the NBA season. I agree. The three and a half games is maybe not a lot for the Blazers. I think people need to acknowledge in part the reason is that nobody thought the Grizzlies would be in this spot, is why everybody mm-hmm. assumes the Grizzlies would end up not in that spot. But I do think there's something to be said. If the NBA was solely focused on, listen, I'm sorry. But this is what we have to do. We just got to get we just got to get you teams this these sixteen eight by the west eight by the east here that they might already actually be done by it. And I will say there's something to be said about them basically taking this as a time to see if they want to create new tinker. ways to make the playoffs happen. Yeah, no, I hear you, Kev. But you know, I just I will continue to go back to the idea that you know, for me, it seems like. You know, you're making an assumption that they're past the money. If you part. gave me a confidence meter on the NBA versus yeah. the MLB, are you yeah. telling me that they are even in terms of we will be getting those two sports? I'm saying that I am not putting any confidence on anything that I'm hearing until I know what the formal proposals are. For example, we've heard July 15th. 
that changed. We've heard Major League Baseball was going to be in Arizona and Orlando. That then changed. We heard that the Braves and the Pirates were going to be flip-flopped. We don't know if that's true anymore. There's a lot of things we hear as the sausage is being made that I'm not taking to the bank. Okay, so there's stuff in the NBA that we've heard, but I'm not taking it to the bank. We don't know. You've laid out three different possible formats Mm -hmm. for the playoffs. We don't know. We, you know, there's 15, 18, 20 games. Will it happen or not? We don't know, right? And so I do think in a lot of these sports, what city is the damn NHL happening in? We don't know. There were things that we thought were going to happen, but then last minute changed. We thought UFC 249 was going to go off in California, and then it changed. What mm-hmm. I'm saying is that I don't know that we have a have a right to react until we know what it actually is. That's what a labor negotiation is. A proposal, then a counterproposal, and they find the landing spot. We have not the NHL. Even to the formal proposal yet for the NBA. In the NHL, there was an agreement had between the NHL and the Players Association. That means to me they are further along than Major League Baseball when Max Scherzer, a high-ranking member in the Players Association, says, we're not talking anymore. Right. I under I understand if if let's say my confidence meter on the NBA resuming was eighty and yours was fifty, right? Sure, that's fine. But the idea that your confidence meter on the NBA, the NHL, and Major League Baseball could all be the same, that mystifies me. So Baseball to me, is, is because my confidence behind. level is not a number, my confidence number is incomplete for all of them, right? You, yeah, you said I, I heard something in the, the NHL. Confidence meter is the Major League Baseball. Kevin, we heard in March that there would be a prorated cut. Guess what? When the proposals got official, that's when it changed. So we heard stuff from the NHL. That's all nice, fun, and cool, and kumbaya. Let's see what happens when the actual proposal comes down. Similar, that's why I'm just giving us pause. Oh, the NBA players, they all want to play. We all got to do this. We're going to put our families in the bubble, whatever it takes. We'll see. What we know is that there's no actual formal proposal until maybe next week. And then that will be sent to the Players Association. It sounds to me, Kevin, like you are making the assumption that the players are going to be happy with the proposal. I'm not ready to make that. Not not everybody's going to be happy. But when it's voted on, I, I will be floored if it falls through. Because the four teams in the West that thought they'd be able to play in don't get to go. It's, 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 but this is the other thing. 16 is majority. And those 16 teams but want to go to the money playoffs. Money is not the only element of a proposal, Kevin. Of money is an not. element of it. Health is an element of it, right? Of so you, you, with the baseball, it's the money that seems to be a sticking point. And because it's millionaires versus billionaires, I agree. It's a horrible look. It's a horrible look, right? Mm-hmm. But, and Blake Snell probably led with the wrong concern, right? With the money, okay? But you also have Mike Trout, who's out there saying like, yo, I wanna play, the same way NBA players are saying, we wanna play, right? But he's also saying, I don't know what this is gonna look like. My wife just had our first child. I don't know if I feel comfortable being quarantined or whatever, and we don't know what it's gonna look like. So there's other concerns that are not money. In the same way that Giannis is like, yeah, I want to come back to play as long as X, Y, Z happens. Yeah. Oh, no, 100. Look, I mean, but 
I just think that there are di- see Blake Snell was not wrong for talking about the money because that's all the owners right. are talking about. Yeah, we're laying off minor leaguers right? that have you to get paid by David Price. Why the New York City subway right now? I might not. Both are valid. No, right. My thing is though, right now, baseball, all they can do is talk about money. While in the background, there are players like Sean Doolittle who are like, by the way, we're not talking about the most important thing here, health, because they can't even have these other conversations until they figure out the money, which they're not even on speaking terms. The money must be like the first hurdle. Yes. And considering that we had them basically say, we are not on speaking to like, it's like, if you had a, if you had two friends, right. That are in relationships and one of them is like, yeah, we've been fighting a little bit. It's, it's tough though, man. We're trying to work through it. Right. And then the other one was like, I haven't spoke to my girlfriend in two weeks. And then I said, whose relationship are you more confident in? And you go, ah, incomplete. No, Dane, it's the guy who hasn't talked to his girlfriend in two weeks. No, but well, so let's use your analogy. If what we're talking about is, will there be baseball or will there be basketball, in both of those relationships, if they haven't officially broken up, then they do technically have the same status. I'm serious. It's the same status, but there's a difference. Why don't you believe in a confidence meter? I love a good confidence meter, Dane. You hate the confidence meter. No, honestly, and I love... I love the spirited debate, Kevin. But the reason I don't believe in the confidence meter is because I believe your confidence is based on assumption. Your you confidence in the NBA is based work. on assumption. You have, that's how confidence meters work. You need to believe in the confidence meter, Dane. They're right. not speaking. So, then let's put this out there. Here's what I'm going to say, Kevin, and then we'll keep it moving. We'll talk about some US, UFC and all that good <laughs> stuff. They are saying that there's going to be a proposal next week in the NBA, right? Yes. So you have your confidence. Cool. Yes. I wonder if your confidence will change when the official proposal that the Players Association will have to vote on comes out. Not only will it change, but also in the way Blake Snell said something, right? Or in the way players are saying something. I wonder if any players are going to say anything and how that will affect your confidence. That's why my confidence meter is incomplete or TBD. It doesn't okay? exist. You don't have one. You don't have a confidence but meter. It's not apples and oranges. That's what it is for me, Kevin, right? There is an official proposal that's documented on paper that we can respond to. There is not one in these other sports. No, there is one in the NHL. And we, we have at least have an idea of, of a couple options in the NBA. And baseball right now is, is firing minor leaguers that then have to get paid by David Price. They it's are a, firing minor leaguers. World. That looks very, very world. bad. It's a very bad look, you know, but there are still unanswered questions in a lot of places for these other leagues. One place where there's not unanswered questions is in the UFC because people are coming in. We've been more than 14 days since the last event, so they are confident they could put it on. DailyRoto.com. Learn from the game's best DFS players. We don't just give you premier advice. We play every day. All major sports, all year round, we never stop. Industry-leading DFS tools and custom projections. And now, the DailyRoto.com Optimizer. In minutes, build an optimized lineup for cash games and tourneys. Learn from the game's best DFS players. Join DailyRoto.com. All right, welcome back in, everybody, to the early line. Dane and Kevin 
putting the fun in functional sports content, figuring out these leagues and how they return to play and, you know, kind of what's a peaceful situation, what's acrimonious between these negotiations. There'll be negotiations happening left and right, and we will keep our tabs on them and continue to read the tea leaves, as it were, Kevin. But let's look at the UFC because they are fighting tonight. One of the biggest things we do have to touch on, though, right, is in the last few times it's been in the state of Florida. Right out in Jacksonville, they've been fighting, but we've got news, you know, at the top of the show. We said Texas is opening up, and this fight card has moved back to kind of its home in Nevada in Las Vegas, correct? Yeah, uh, it has, and it's going to be really interesting to see kind of the the general buzz around this one. I personally feel like it's uh, a less than all the previous three fights that we, we had mm-hmm. seen. I'm sure the UFC is uh, happy to be back home in Vegas. That does lead to um, what is, you know, it's tough for me to say, Dane, how, how uh, significant the change is here, um, but the size of the cage is gone from now 30 feet to 25 feet, with this okay. taking place in pretty much the UFC's performance center. The thing is, you can go two ways with that, right? Okay, now it's harder to keep your distance, maybe more knockouts, maybe, you know, um, a, a little bit more on the feet, but also one of the biggest weapons for, you know, takedown artists is to use that cage So I think it goes both ways. It's one of those things to me that if like, you know, if you're betting the UFC, ideally, you know, you're, you're betting the whole card. And if you're watching the prelims, maybe you go, Oh, all right. You know what? I'm starting to see see something being used. Yeah. Maybe you're just, okay. This is actually way better for wrestlers or this is way better for strikers, whatever it might be. Maybe it doesn't matter. Right. Maybe it matters in one fight and not the next. It's something to keep tabs on. The other thing that did slightly jump out to me and not to put a damper, I'm excited for the card, but it, it's really a lackluster card. Hmm. Um, it, and I'm just, I just, I wonder if that is part just inability to grab other names. They've got UFC 250 coming up. Yeah. And if you listen to the MMA community talk about that, the, the pretty much consensus is look forward to what they announced for the main event, basically saying this card is no way justifiable. To be is this going to happen though? Like, We've had three cards in one week. You know, eventually, there's only so many great fighters, and they have to obviously take some time in between fights. When you start to stack cards like this, there was three in the last week. We got this one. We got, you know, 250 happening. That's five cards in, like, three weeks. Eventually, you're going to use up all your top-end talent, right? No, that's a great point, right? I mean, I know we've talked about the U.S. homeland allowing uh, athletes to come back, but I don't know. Does that mean that Fight Island is done? We'll have to see. I'll tell you another thing, though, that I did hear that I was like, oh, wow, this is a tricky situation for the UFC. It has to do with Conor McGregor. They were mm. like, yeah, I don't. They, is it really worth bringing in Conor McGregor and losing a Conor McGregor gate? Which is a really good point, right? Because certain fighters draw, you know, very, very yeah, different. Absolutely. And as much as, you know, I'm sure McGregor's waiting and ready. And if you put a McGregor fight on, you'll do killer pay per view buys. You're going to miss out on a McGregor gate, which is an. You know, an instant sellout, pretty much. Right. So that's that another name thing, at the top of the marquee, right? Where they're almost like, ah, I don't know if we really want to go with our biggest fights, sans a crowd, and right. that could also lead to. It just jumped out to me, and that's not to you know talk down on any of these fighters. Listen, I you know, you don't need good fighters to have good fights. That's Stop that's not the way. case at all. Exactly. Um, but it was just something that kind of did stand out to me. And I think you you know you kind of made a good point. It's like you. The, the well can dry up quickly, especially when you're like, hey, three fights in, in yeah, you know, three seven days. A week. Yeah. 
So we'll see. But listen, I know a lot of people are intrigued by the main event of this card tonight. So let's dive into it. We got Tyrone Woodley against Gilbert Burns. Woodley's like one minus 185. He's kind of a favorite. You know, Woodley, listen, he's only lost once since like 2014. And what I think is interesting is I think four of his last five fights have gone the distance, right? Mm -hmm. And we're talking five minute rounds at the championship level, yep. the full 25. You know, so given this, you know, do you think a fighter is best here? Or what about just laying that this one also will go the distance? What are you looking at in this fight, Kev? Yeah, so going the distance is not a bad play. You've mentioned it with Woodley typically uh, going the distance in, you know, certainly in his recent career. Gilbert Burns, three of his last five fights uh, have gone the distance, and that includes mm -hmm. a five-fight win streak. So he's not necessarily someone that could uh, be against going the distance. And the distance is plus money. Uh, last I saw over at the FanDuel really? Sportsbook. And if you think a fight's going to go the distance, you know, it's another big overarching point with this card, Dan, that we should mention, is how much the judges were a topic of conversation when we were in Florida. And it'll be really fascinating to see if we are now going to be in another right. spot where we right. can't trust judges, right? Because that's kind of my thing, right? I pretty much, after that first card, and it was consistent throughout, if you think a fight's going to go the distance, bet it to go the distance and leave the winner at home. It's too tricky to kind of get involved with how some of these judges score things. So that might want to pull you off aside here. But if you remember, I actually picked this fight when we last talked to UFC right. without even knowing the specifics. Because I told you, the first three fights, the, the main event's underdog hit all three times. Right. And I'm like, that's BS, basically. There's no way. Regression to the mean gonna... here. Favorite comes in with Woodley. It has to. But he, the, the, the worrying part of it all, Dane, is that of all the dogs I've seen in the main event, Gilbert Burns might be the one that I like the most. Ah. So it's one of these, like, gross situations. So which one of your own data and your own trends right. are you going to put more stock into? I'm basically, because, look, stubborn is beautiful sometimes, and let's be stubborn about this, um, and just back the main event favorite to break <laughs> the streak. It, the, the one thing I did see, I was listening a little bit, um, to our friend Gabe Morenci talked about this fight and mentioned that the Woodley price has been climbing and climbing and climbing. And that surprised me. You know how sometimes on, you know, whether it be a college football Saturday, NFL Sunday, everybody knows a new trend, right? Yeah. Like everybody will be like, oh, did you hear that right. LSU, blah, 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 and everybody's betting on that, and then it doesn't come in that week? Right. So I would think that everybody would be like, yeah, main event dogs are tech. So you're going to go contrarian to your own trend? This is, well, I'm basically telling you this is how confused I've been about this fight because it, I'm just in circles here, right? Like it's Saturday, man. We're you know we've been we've been spent <laughs> out talking all week. I understand. Self in circle. And the fact that Woodley's this high price, I just rather bet the fight to go the distance. Mm -hmm. But because it's the main event, I'd like to. I, I'll tell you that I think Woodley wins, and I bet on Woodley. We're also talking about betting on a guy who probably wins by decision and with, with the judges. So. Yeah. I'd, I personally would rather take a plus money this fight goes the distance than the rest of it I'm not as confident in. All right, fair enough. One of the biggest favorites on the board in yeah. this card is Daniel Rodriguez. Okay, he's going off yep. right now at minus 320. Okay, so I know you're searching for plus money in places, but it will not be offered in this Rodriguez green fight. How do you see this one going? So I actually decided to go and look at the biggest favorites and I said, where's the parlay buster, right? Because that's the idea with the UFC. You go, all right, let me take the two big faves, and all right, we'll pull this here, and we should we should have it come over. 
So I just, I, I looked at both big favorites, right? I believe Mackenzie Dern is the other big fave. I said, where do we possibly see an upset? Right. I'm going with Gabriel Green. I'm going to go with Gabriel Green. Really? Now, I understand. Plus 260. Plus 260. Listen, big there old you dog. Go. Big old It'll dog. It'll compensate for Woodley at minus 185. There you yeah, go. right? Look, it's a big old dog. Now, he's making his UFC debut, but Danny Rodriguez is not coming through with a lot of UFC experience either. He was on the Contender Series and has one UFC fight under his belt where he beat Tim Means, who's a bit of a name, and people can kind of give him, you know, obviously credit for that. But this fight, if you look at it, Dane, it's not going the distance. It's like minus 350, minus 400 in that range somewhere mm. for this fight not to go the distance. There's going to be a stoppage. Well, Gabriel Green has a career record of 9-2 and two, all nine times. He has won by stoppage, whether that be knockout or submission. He has that kind of power. If there was going to be something up, because something's going to bust the parlay, Dane. Right. I'll take the plus 260, Gabriel Green. I, I, I felt like I, I had a job to do to find the big-time dog, and I hopefully, hopefully have done it here. All right, fair enough. Uh, there's another fight on this card where there is not a big favorite at all. Pretty close. I'm looking at Ivanov and Sakai, if I pronounce that correctly. You know, you got Ivanov technically as the dog, but it's still minus 105. Uh, Sakai over there at minus 110, minus 115. This looks yeah. like a very close fight. Tell me what you think on this one. Yeah, so this is a really tough call here. These are heavyweights. And a lot of time when you see some heavyweights, you're like, oh, I expect a knockout. Ivanov uh, has five straight decisions, and he's never been knocked out. So right there, like, that's super, super rare. And one of the things that I learned from the last time we were betting on UFC, Dane, is don't undersell the value on a guy who's never been knocked out. That wow. certainly can play a part, and I think that that is something I'm kind of keeping into account here. Now, Sakai, uh, or Akai, rather, is on the five-fight win streak, um, and his only loss um, has been a split decision in his career. So to me... As much as this fight is favored to go the distance and it feels like a somewhat safe bet, they're still heavyweights, and I can't get over that. I'm going to mm. back a Kai, who's a very, very short favorite here to take out Ivanov. All right, fair enough. Uh, what's another fight on the card? Are there any other elements of plus money that mm. you like? You know, you told me you're going against the biggest favorite on the board. You're with Gabriel yeah. Green. Can you tell me other plus money plays you like? Because, I mean... It's fine. We talk about the juice all the time. And if you win a bet, you win a bet. But yeah. uh, tell me where you're trying to stand to uh, pop off and win some money. So Brandon Raval uh, against mm. Tim Elliott could be a nice spot. Elliott's been around for a little bit. Um, he's lost four of his last six fights. We've got Roy Val uh, making his UFC debut. One of the things that you and I have talked about is trying to identify that spot where the UFC is hoping that they can kind of make a star. Older, right. established guy up against the young up-and-comer. And hopefully the young up-and-comer can make a name for himself here. Uh, he's plus money. Um, so right away you're solid there, but a the little note, if you want to really go plus money hunting, Dane, uh, yeah. Elliot in uh, two of his last three losses has been submitted. And that is how Roy Val has won his last two fights. Okay. So he wanted something in the range of plus 480, give or take over the fan. That would be like Roval by submission. By submission. That's a big, big plus number that I'm not against playing. Interesting. I like that. Um, we only got a couple of minutes left. Uh, we could talk about, you know, some of the other fights that'll be on when we come back. I do have to ask a question you may not know. Is Daniel Cormier on commentary? Because, honestly, I find this very intriguing. And you've talked about the judges. And I think the idea of no fans, one, with people just listening to DC and his commentary and having it impact what they actually do. And we've talked about the judging. And I could be crazy here. But this idea that, you know, listen, if you and me are watching a, a fight, right? 
when someone nails you with a Superman punch or a question mark kick, we're watching that fight. We're like, oh, wow. Yeah. That crowd reaction may enter into a judge's head. When I see someone going, you know, rear triangle for a minute and a half and is winning the round, it's not inciting the kind of reaction from the crowd. I wonder if the judges, you know, don't think that that's as dominant. Do you think these fans, you know, either hearing advice from Cormier or the fact that they don't get the reaction from the fans, is that something that you think is happening with the judging? Um, yeah. Hit me up on this when we come back, okay? When we come back, I want to see if this makes sense to you, if you think these judges who you haven't been thrilled with are kind of influenced in any way by the lack of that. And then we'll talk some other matches on this card for the UFC. We'll do that all when we come back. It is the early line, giving you the edge for Saturday night in the UFC. Come on back. We'll give you some more plays after this. DailyRoto.com. Learn from the game's best DFS players. We don't just give you premier advice. We play every day. All major sports, all year round, we never stop. Industry-leading DFS tools and custom projections. And now, the DailyRoto.com Optimizer. In minutes, build an optimized lineup for cash games and tourneys. Learn from the game's best DFS players. Join DailyRoto.com. Welcome back into the weekend edition of the early line here on Sports Grid. Dane and Kevin trying to give you the edge. And we've been talking about the UFC. You've given me, you know, some big plus money. We've mm -hmm. talked about the main event, different ways to skin the cat, right? You can go fighters. You can go will it go the distance or not. And I know that you have an interesting note on this Roberts Weaver fight. Let's continue to look at some of these fights on the card. What do you think about this one, Roberts Weaver? So this one I don't even have a bet on, but I just couldn't resist. It's just, it's the most, like, WWE nonsense. This guy Weaver, right, who's yeah. a considerable dog, has won two of his last three fights by DQ. What in the really? world is that? One's by an illegal knee, and then another one with, a, with like, corner interference. Wait, he's won by DQ? Yes. So Let me see other guy. Yes. Something. Okay. There was an illegal knee, right, so low blow, and then corner interference, which is, like, a manager, like, pulling <laughs> a leg or something. Like, I just, I've never seen two of last three fights by DQ. Like, that has but to be. You think I, that's a factor? And this is Weaver, you're saying, or Roberts? Weaver. That's how so Weaver. you think that this is something Weaver's doing? Or just a <laughs> that the opponents? Because, like, is Weaver, you know, like the Dennis Rodman of it's UFC? Like, like, trying like, to antagonize um, people. I know this is a sacrilegious name for Yankee fans, but uh -huh. Jacoby Ellsbury's ability to always get catcher uh -huh. interference. Right. Um. Uh, that's what well, I'm saying. Does we yeah. do something that kind of enrages his opponent and gets them to, you know, get out of their mind? Like, like I said, like a yeah. Dennis Rodman type. Yeah. You can't bet to win by DQ. I just thought it was worth mentioning that some guy could have even somewhat of a DQ winning streak. Yeah. Um, that has to be why Roberts is favored. That is um, by, the way, by the price that he is. All right, fair enough. So we'll keep an eye out on a disqualification in this fight if need be. I know one more fight we want to talk about here is uh, Carlisle versus Quarantillo. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and uh, you know one of the things that you were kind of talking about before we hit the break, right, is how the judges can be influenced yeah. and what have you. And I think that you have to think about it, right? So they're not hearing fans right here in the crowd section. You're now, if you're a judge, hearing someone like Daniel Cormier, who, if you're honest with yourself, knows way more about all of this than you, sure. break down the fight. It'd almost be really hard. 
not to you're find like the, the analysis track happening yeah. the entire time. Yeah, it would be, it would almost be hard not to be kind of influenced by Cormier in that way. I don't expect him uh, though to be calling this card because it's a fight night. He probably would be on Got 250. It. Him, Joe Rogan, and the crew would be back together. Although I don't think it's going to come into effect here with Carlisle and Quarantillo. This is a fight that actually made me wonder why I can't bet on uh, bonus props. And what I mean by that is how they give out uh, performance of the night, fight of the night, things of that nature. This has all the makings uh, to be fight of the night. Uh, the Carlisle, yeah, Carlisle is a guy who consistently gets stoppages. Eight of his nine victories have been by stoppage. Billy, 10 of his 13 have been by stoppage. These two dudes uh, are warriors, man. They go in there, they throw down, they can do it by submission, they can do it by knockout. It's minus uh, 200, give or take, for this fight not to go the distance, um, which is somewhat considerable juice. But uh, I think with the way that these two guys go in there and bang, man, uh, I'm expecting this to be a very, very fun one. Um, but I'm expecting it not to be one that sees the judges' scorecards. All right, fair enough. So we think this one, you know, someone's getting tapped out or knocked out or some kind of stoppage in, you know, in the blood sport over it all. That's what we're looking for, right? We want to see that. Um, so there you have Kevin's plays for UFC Fight Night. Hopefully we help you win a little bit of extra cash over the weekend. You know, Kevin, um, tomorrow there's going to be a couple of Bundesliga games as well that I do think are interesting. You know, you've been talking about the idea of the road favorites. I mean, the road dogs even in... Bundesliga, and I want to ask you about two teams that are playing here. First is Dortmund, yeah. right? And Dortmund is coming off that big game. They were home against Bayern. Bayern came in as the road favorite and got it done. Now, I know Dortmund is one of those teams, Martino has talked to, about this before, yeah. that has a big home pitch advantage, you know, the yellow wall, and that's not there. This time, it is Dortmund, I believe, that is going on the road, uh, this time to Paderborn, and they mm -hmm. are big favorites on the road. You think they uh, get back in the win column, kind of bounce back? Paderborn also had a game midweek. So this mm -hmm. is now, again, that condensing of the schedule. I would think that Dortmund has more talent. So, you know, if they have the depth, and so maybe these multiple games in a week would not impact them as much. They're a big favorite, minus 320. How are you skinning this cat, Kev? Yeah, so the road favorites have been good to us. And in fact, I now have to pretty much stay very loyal to it because it helped me in the Bayern-Dortmund fixture because right. Bayern were road favorites. And I thought that was a really tough game to call. And Bayern got that 1-0 victory. Yeah. The road favorites have been great to us. I will say this, though. A minus 320 price is a lot. For a Paderborn team, that as much as I've wanted to go against them, sit bottom yeah. of the table, three straight draws. They are one of the few teams that are unbeaten since we've returned to play, yeah, our guy here. Steve also says that they're a scrappy team. They just got promoted from yeah. the second division, and maybe they don't have the talent, right? Yeah. But this idea of the heart, the passion, and maybe they're scratching their way to draws. And Paderborn actually got a draw the first time that they played Dortmund 3-3 uh. in that reverse fixture. They actually had a lead and blew it towards the end there, the power of Dortmund being at home in that game. You kind of saw come to fruition, if you will. This is a dangerous spot to me for a myriad of reasons, some that we've just listed. Also, the idea of, you know, Dorman, if they beat Bayern, all of a sudden, they're right, right there in the title race. Right. The title race is now over. Them falling outside of the top four is unlikely. It's not something that they should feel confident in, but sometimes you start to sit there and feel sorry. It's almost like they're locked in, though, right? Yeah, in the playoff your... race. They're not going to win it, yeah. but they know they're going to be in the Champions League, so how oh. much is truly left to play for? And early Herlan could be missing this game as he did go out in, with an injury against Bayern Munich, and he's been so incredible. That's why 
I mentioned again, the road favorites, but a minus 300 price is dangerous because, again, we're playing the triple money line here. I think to try to bring this down, what you can do, because if you do get a motivated Dortmund, and to be fair to Paderborn, as scrappy and tough as they've been, if Dortmund, yeah, if Dortmund goes out there and gets after it, this should be a somewhat of a blowout. There's there's spread props available to FanDuel Sportsbook. Dortmund minus the goal is around minus 120. But a, a main thing that you must note, and I had not realized this initially until I wanted to make this play, is that there is no push. If Dortmund wins by one, you don't get a push. You lose. So it's basically Dortmund by two or more. Because it's one and a half, right? It, well, it's, it should they should just list it at one and a half. I don't know why they don't. They mm. list it at minus one, no push. Minus the goal, uh, no push. But it's, it's the, the same, same, same Just thing, put yeah. the damn half and make this easy for all involved. But yes, that is, to me, I think the way I'd like to play this game. Because I think Dortmund should be hungry. I think they should win. But there's enough that worries me to where I'd rather try and drop 200, you know, beast, you know points of juice pretty much off right. this from around 320 to 120. All right, fair enough. The, the last game here on uh, tomorrow is my adopted squad, Kev. Yes. So I got to get your thoughts on this. And it's also, you know... They are home. We're talking about Borussia Mönchengladbach. They are at home, so this idea of the road favorite doesn't really hold. Gladbach is taking on Union Berlin. They're minus 190. They're coming off a disappointing effort as well in the middle of the week. They got a draw when most people believe they should have won. They were like minus 145 favorites. They yeah. only got a draw. Trust me, I know. And so now they're minus 190. They return home. They got Union Berlin coming. Are you going back to the well with Gladbach? So Gladbach, one of the few teams, um, I think maybe the only the second time the road favorite hasn't won. Road favorite still hasn't been beat, uh, but only the second time they haven't won. Um, as you mentioned, they're getting the draw in, the, in their last fixture. Uh, Union, quietly, has been actually kind of bad since returning. Because they had that game, they, lo they lose 2-0 uh, to Bayern. And you're like, oh, that's a, you know, you can take that as a performance. Then they played Hertha Berlin, and it was a 4-0 drubbing by Hertha. Then Union had a big old rest advantage going into their third fixture, and it was a 1-1 draw. Union's only scored once in this game. This should all be very, very easy to pick Gladbach, but I do now find myself being a bit cautious when it right. comes to home teams. Mm -hmm. And you're still paying a price for Gladbach being at home, in my opinion. That minus 200 or so price that they're sitting at it around the FanDuel Sportsbook, I think is baking in the fact that they're home. And I think we're yeah. kind of starting to see that that doesn't matter. Like, Glad Gladbach's form has been a win, a loss, and a draw. Their loss was at home, if I'm not mistaken, mm. to Leverkusen, right? Where, right. where their nice big win came on the road in that, in that first fixture here. So what I'm going to do is, once again, try and minimize juice a little bit, closer to even money for Gladbach to win the first half. It's around ah. my, my even money, minus 105. I think that's the safer play. And maybe you can get in and get out. And if it's a draw, if they're down, you can come back to the well. Because one of the things that I will say that I've, I've found myself feeling um, good about, uh, Dane, when it comes yeah. to betting the Bundesliga, is being able to follow the pace of these games and see when a team is really, really on the cusp of getting a goal. So if okay. you're watching Gladback and you lose that first half bet, but you know they're knocking on the door, you come back around for a second half bet and feel much better about it. So is that like the live action, right, in soccer? And I remember asking you that. In the basketball, right, we can tell when someone's about to go on a 13-2 a to two run. 
right? We know when the snowball is happening right before the other team calls like a 20-second timeout. You can also see in soccer, I think the term they use is when they're on the front foot, right? When yeah. you got a lot of action going in the opponent third, they're on the attacking half. I'm using out all this good soccer terminology yeah, here. You, but you can also out. tell when it's about to happen, right, in soccer. So you advocate for kind of riding that in the live in-game markets? Oh, absolutely. I, I think that the, the one thing that I found myself feeling most successful has been the live in-game markets, especially with the bigger clubs. Because when they have that consistent pressure, they can feel it. As opposed to, right, if there's a, like Dusseldorf and Bayern, right, who, well, you know, a fixture of this week. If Dusseldorf is knocking on the door of Bayern, but they don't come away with it, they might be like, damn, we can't score on these guys. Mm. As opposed to Bayern knocking on their door, Dusseldorf's like, it's coming. You know it's coming. We know it's coming. And if you're live betting, you hopefully know it's coming as well. Yeah, no, absolutely. So maybe you get these guys live. Gladbach in action, Dortmund in action. We'll check it out. You know, when we come back to start a new week, we'll certainly uh, look back on these matches and uh, try to see what that means moving forward. The last thing I wanted to tell you is this, and it was interesting to me, Kev, when you brought up Brock Weaver and how he incites disqualifications. And I told you that made me think of Dennis Rodman right here. Let's tie this all together. Okay, we've had the last dance recently. I know how much you love wrestling. Um, recently, I saw, I don't know if you saw this, there was an interview uh, with someone I know you know, but for the layman fan, his name is Eric Bischoff. He's a guy who's been in the wrestling business for a while, was kind of the head of WCW for a little while. He came out and did an interview where he said, oh, 100%, because if you remember from the last dance, Dennis Rodman mm -hmm. left the playoffs, right, to go uh, be a member of the NWO. And then in a pay-per-view after that, he fought in a tag team match against Carl Malone. Yeah. And now what Bischoff is saying is that, oh, absolutely, that Dennis Rodman was purposely instigating with Carl Malone in those series against the Jazz to incite him to want to fight him in the wrestling environment. So forget about Brock Weaver. Dennis Rodman is inciting this and uh, getting him Malone over to go over to wrestling. You buy it? Yes. I Look, I don't care what everyone says. This is why I'm allowed to talk wrestling whenever I want on the sports grid here now. Because Whoa. they're booking wrestling angles in the NBA Finals. So, And I totally believe it, by the way, right? Because like, clearly Dennis would go for it. So, yes. Wrestling Dennis being is Dennis. Always <laughs> something to look grid. forward to. Well, hopefully you guys have a great rest of the weekend. We'll be back here on Monday, picking up all the pieces and giving you the edge. DailyRoto.com. Learn from the game's best DFS players. We don't just give you premier advice. We play every day. All major sports, all year round, we never stop. Industry-leading DFS tools and custom projections. And now, the DailyRoto.com Optimizer. In minutes, build an optimized lineup for cash games and tourneys. Learn from the game's best DFS players. Join DailyRoto.com.